0: It is necessary to investigate before legislating
1: but the line between investigating and persecuting is a very fine one.
0: Now a man is seen walking towards the officer's SUV where the deputy's SUV investigators tell us it seems the suspect was going to pass them then turned and fired multiple shots while the two were parked.
1: multiple locations that have been burning in Kenosha, Wisconsin.
2: Madam Speaker, my colleagues, my fellow Americans, I rise to support the
1: impeachment of President Donald J. Trump. As far as the allegations of the CIA
0: hacking crime on the Senate computers, nothing can be heard. could be volatile, and I'm about to talk to him about allegations that he was involved with prostitutes in Moscow and that the Russians taped it and have leverage over him.
2: And now, here's CD Media's host of Information Operation. Hello, and welcome back to Information Operation. I'm your host, L. Todd Wood. We have a, a, a guest returning today for the second time. Uh, Lieutenant General Rod Bishop has a long and distinguished career in the United States Air Force, but it it seems his days of serving the country are not yet over. Uh, welcome to the show, General.
1: Thanks very much. God appreciate it. Good to be back.
2: Uh, in the in the the in in the es- essence of full disclosure, you and I come from the same alma mater, the United States Air Force Academy, and. Uh, There has been, uh, you know, I went back to my 30th reunion, which I tell people, and I was shocked at what had gone on at the academy as far as the lack of discipline and really changing focus of the organization away from training warriors more into a a bureaucratic situation with a lot of the uh, cultural Marxism that we see uh, across the country today, you know, injected into that institution. And I know you have been very uh, active in 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 building a response to that. And and I just want the public to know that there are people who have noticed and are taking action and not just to the academies because all the academies have some issues, but across the department of defense. I mean, do you want to talk about that a little bit about what, what your goals are and what, what your group has been doing?
1: Well, uh, absolutely. Uh, Because I think what you're suggesting there is exactly what is needed is the public needs to be informed so that we have more and more people, Uh, speaking up and speaking out. Um, So just a quick history of background. Uh, I guess the last time we were together, we were talking about our role in the uh, Hunter Biden laptop and getting Fox News. uh, But, you know, so as an ancillary to that effort, one of the members of our group, in fact, the uncle of uh, J.P. McIsaac, the computer repairman who... Yeah, just to
2: make that clear to the audience, you were involved in getting the Hunter Biden laptop and you uh, played a role in getting the Hunter Biden laptop out into the public domain before the election. So
1: I'll, I'll give the credit to my next door neighbor, a Fox, former Fox News reporter, but a member of our little group here that formed uh, was J.P. McIsaac's uncle. Mm-hmm. So the Air Force Academy last July. And I don't really want to spend a lot of time on this because I'll give credit. It, it did take us nine months, but I'll give some credit to the president superintendent of the academy. My class. Yeah. He, he, he listened. And, uh, and what did he listen about? He listened because the football team had put together a short three-minute video on which Black Lives Matter has said in an angry tone seven times in that three minutes. And when I first saw the article in the, Colorado Springs newspaper, the Gazette, articulating that Air Force football takes firm social stance in support of Black Lives Matter with a video. I went, you know, what in the heck is college football getting involved in a political issue? But to me, the military should just stay out of politics. So I read it and I said, well, I got to do something. And at that time, my wife and I were in the midst of a little summer move. And the uncle of, um, J.P. McIsaac uh, was very upset as well. and He wrote a blog and that moved me to action to write to the superintendent uh, and said, hey, you want to say the United States Air Force Academy and the football team stands against racism? You will have 51,000 graduates standing arm in arm with you. But when you use the slogan of a Marxist organization, it's going to be divisive. So over the course of the next couple of months, uh, I copied two of my classmates on it. One is rooming as a Southwest simulator instructor uh, with a, a former football player. And then it kind of went viral throughout the football team and a number of, they have this group called the Bolt Brotherhood of former Air Force Academy football players came up on the net. Long story short, the group grew from initially four of us to now in the mid 60s. And it's just people that have informally banded together, uh, making an issue of don't associate our alma mater with a Marxist organization. Literally hundreds of phone calls or hundreds of emails, tens of phone calls, a couple of Zoom meetings with the athletic director, the football coach, nothing produced the result. So we started educating the new superintendent, your classmate. At one point he told us he agreed with the message of the video, despite the background we had sent him on Black Lives Matter. But now I am told by people close to him that he he now gets it. But we had to go through um, formally putting in an IG complaint, and to me this makes this to me this really drives home the point of how infected our military is because the IG complaint came back and told us that quote that video is not political. And, um, you know, you show that video to thats a political statement in itself. (laughs) You show that video to anybody and tell them, well, the Air Force IG says it's not political. Scoff is the reaction you get. I mean, people just come on, really? So long story short, um, the IG found that that was the way. And we said, well, I guess we've been we've tried for what, four months to that point to not help the Air Force Academy make the video go more public. Uh, because they had had a number of big donors and a lot of smaller donors, uh, Sabre Society members, thousand-dollar-year contributors, just walk away. Mm-hmm. And so we asked for the address list of the fifty-plus thousand graduates from the AOG, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, I graduates. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I, unfortunately, that uh, kind of forced the issue, and the superintendent agreed that he would take the video down. Um, Congratulations. But, well thanks but we had another december january you know three months plus pause while they produced a new video Mm -hmm. and and, you know hats off the new video is a tremendous improvement it's supposed to be inspirational but someone with a wary eye can look at it and say yeah even in this new video there are some marxist ideologies creeping in diversity inclusion Right. You know, overuse, in my opinion. I mean, I, I liked the video. Some people in our group kind of felt, well, you know, it's just an overuse of dignity and respect. You know, we're, we're, we're losing the focus on war fighting. Right. Where where's the focus on uh, integrity first, service before self, excellence in all we, we do? We were
2: there it was fly fight and win and kill migs. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know, yeah. so that that is that that was what was shocking to me at the reunion was that they didn't even mention winning a war. Um, which is what the Academy graduates are supposed to do.
1: Yeah. So um, <clears throat> that's, I mean, that what every, every corner we turn as we were just trying to get a, a simple video down, we found just how I used to say infiltrated, but now my word is invasion. Mm-hmm. This ideology has invaded the U.S. military. Yes. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, other examples, well, start with the Air Force Academy. Um, there was an article about a diversity and inclusion reading room. Okay, well, what's in the diversity, inclusion, and reading room? I mean, it said we want uh, uh, thoughts from all parts of society, uh, the professor that was quoted in an article. Um, but yet we go over and look at it, and it's Black Panther, Black Lives Matter, nothing from a conservative Black author like Shelby Steele, Thomas Sowell, Jason Riley. You know, I could go on and on. So again, to the superintendent's credit, we raised that issue with him about balance, and he said, "Yeah, I want balance." So we're buying books for him. <laughs> we're going to help populate that diversity, and inclusion, and in reading room.
2: Well, Extreme- let me ask you. Um, you know, when when I I don't remember racism being a problem in the in the Air Force or at the Academy, and now we have when you know when I was there, it was everybody seemed to be colorblind, and and we just worked together for the mission. I'm sure there were issues of racism that I don't know about, Uh, you know, but I was from the South. I took crap for having a Southern accent. Uh, You know, when I was going through fourth class system, they'd scream at me for that. I mean, so everybody has problems or places they come from that they face challenges in life, but I just don't remember racism being a problem. And now we have racism being constructed like with the fake incident under general Silvera, where, you know, the, 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 the guys wrote on the lockers, and it was actually a black guy that wrote the information on a locker. Um, what do you think about racism actually in the military now?
1: Well, my experiences are like yours. Uh, mm-hmm. As a, as a run up to the last Zoom meeting with the superintendent, we had two previous Zoom meetings with him, mm-hmm. and he had a number of black officers and retired black general officers quote on his side Mm-hmm. And my pushback every time I heard that word was, no,
0: mm-hmm. we
1: should all be on the same side against mm-hmm. any form of racism and squash it right then and there. Yeah. One of the black officers, general officers, <clears throat> said, well, you know, I've been it's been interesting to me that white general officers think that racism didn't exist. But yet black general officers have a much different story to tell. hmm. So, well, you know, I, I want to approach that topic carefully, but you, like myself, I was talking with a retired white. I mean, why we we putting skin color now? in? I know,
2: this? Why? that's from
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, a lot of people,
2: their pigmentation to me is just ridiculous. Yeah. But yeah, I
1: agree. So a white retired four-star who had uh, 42 years total in the service, I had 38, so that's 80 years. And between the two of us, we could remember one racial incident. And that was one that happened at a squadron party of which the squadron, which I was the commander of, and I got up to the mic, and it just ended it there. Six yeah. months later, that uh, squadron was the outstanding strategic airlift squadron in the Air Force. I mean, that to me, that's how you handled it. How many times have you flown into a combat zone? I mean, did you care if your co-pilot was black? Not at all. Heck, <laughs> no. not at all. Were your engineer, your you really job. People? That's all I cared about. That's all I cared about, but. So what do I think about it? I think it's uh, an outcropping of the, the, the society that we live in today. I mean, we're living, I've, I've seen some conservative authors, uh, Elizabeth Mallory among them, tell us that we live today in the biggest propaganda age in history. Now, there are some German citizens who were alive in the 30s and 40s might disagree with that, but yeah. it's pretty clear that we live in a big propaganda day.
2: Well, I don't think the public is aware of what's happening in the military either. And that is something that, you know, the group you're forming wants to change. Am I right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, I I think where we need to go is as we started this conversation, it's just Mm -hmm. take every opportunity for Americans to speak up, speak out, wake up, Mm -hmm. stand up, speak up, and don't give up. I mean, we It took us nine months to get a little video down. Uh, right. We were able to influence the diversity and inclusion reading room. We were to. We were able to influence the Secretary of Defense's guidance on the extremist down day. For those of you who don't know, the military was ordered to have a stand down day to talk about extremism someday, sometime in a sixty day period. The guidance put out by the politicians and signed by the Secretary of Defense. In OSD, had four case studies of extremism, all 2019 white supremacist Mm -hmm. examples, case studies. It's like 2020 and leftist inspired extremism, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, hundreds of people killed, uh, billions of dollars in damage across cities. Yeah, um, 29 people killed. uh, Mm Hundreds of police officers injured is what I meant to say. It's like it didn't exist. Yeah. And, and so we got the superintendent. Not a
2: brief. lie, is it not? I mean, we had an honor code at the academy. That's just flat a lie. And for that, you would have been kicked out of the academy when we were in. Am I? Am I right? <laughs>
1: Uh, you, you're so right. I mean, we, we go back to that first video, and that's why a number of grads objected is because it was full of lies. It's like mm-hmm. I mean, if you ever look at that video, it's like Jim Crow laws still exist. Uh, racial profiling is still done. Um, a, a lot of examples <clears throat> along that line, which uh, an article that you helped us get published on that, you know, mostly lies and half-truths.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I,
2: I heard a quote that I kind of adopted is that I don't care what the color of your skin is. I care whether you want to control my life or my family's life. And I, I think that's really eye opening for people because, uh, you know, all of this racism, we were making a lot of progress as racially as a country up until, you know, the 20 or 15 years ago. Yep. Um, and, and when Obama came in and made it a priority to divide us by race. I, and that's classic. Uh, know bolshevism i i I have a i studied russian at the academy i studied the soviet Mm -hmm. union as you did and that's how the bolsheviks took power in russia was to divide the society create envy create rage and
1: um well um, it's not even in our just in our academies uh, units throughout the entire military i'll give you an example in a second but Mm -hmm. to your point of color blindness so Mm -hmm. there was well maybe a month and a half ago put out by our Association of Graduates, an invitation uh, to come and listen, into, uh, listen to a speaker who is going to speak about diversity and inclusion. And as a part of her presentation, uh, she said that, you know, if you're colorblind, you're lying. Um, so that, I mean, it's it's even going yeah. out to our graduates. Yeah. is even going out to our graduates. So I uh, I called the AOG on that and said, you know, really, is this the kind of, message we want to send i mean mm-hmm. that's the way my parents brought me up Yeah, that's the, way, that's the way martin luther king taught us but that's certainly not the lessons that are being taught today so how do we expose
2: it seems to me that the dod uh is sanctioning members becoming overtly political which during our time that just wasn't tolerated um i can remember when people were given uh, you know, warnings to not say anything bad about Bill Clinton or, you know, during his presidency and because the DOD was apolitical and because we had civilian control and we had to stay away from politics, that seems to be gone by the current administration and current DOD and civilian leadership.
1: I I agree. Uh, Unfortunately, I mean, the military was the example that everyone would use about staying out of politics. Uh, And yet, They are going through an insidious indoctrination that many of them don't even realize is happening.
2: Well, we have the bigger issue of, you know, making sure our civilian leadership is legitimate. That's a whole nother conversation. But um, how are you going to go forward with this group? What do you see as ways to affect change? Pressure Congress? I mean, I know you have a list of things that you're looking to do.
1: Okay, let me take you through some of them. The first one that we've been preaching to uh, the academy is balance. Uh, it is clear that critical race theory is being taught not only at, at the academies, but in our schools, mm-hmm. and it's being taught sometimes insidiously. But, I mean, I used the example of the diversity and inclusion reading room with the superintendent on a Zoom two weeks ago. You know, it, the, the word you, I would think, want, if you're talking about inclusion, would be balance, expose cadets to critical race theory, but also expose them to other points of view as well. And I got his point. Yeah. So we need more people talking about that. We need more people talking about unity. An active duty um, squadron commander, who's a member of our group, has said, the military doesn't realize it yet, but they are going to have big time uh, retention issues if they don't change course. Yes. Because what they don't realize is that the way they're approaching and talking about this, it's creating um, division. It's creating resentment among many uh, that are serving. His examples were he had a black female airman come to him the week before we were talking and wanted to um, re- uh, get out of the Air Force because she said, I never grew up, I never knew I grew up in a racist country until the Air Force has taught me that. yeah, a, a, a white male airman came to him and said he wanted to get out because he was tired of the identity politics. And and yeah. to a large degree, that's what critical race theory is about. It puts us in these little boxes. And, it, yeah. and you know, take the Navy oath. I mean, I don't know if you've talked with your group on that Navy oath, but I've got it right here. It's... Um, you know, pretty crazy to ask people to, I won't look for it, but it's pretty crazy to ask people to uh, swear that, you know, I'm going to worry about intersectionality. I asked one of my most liberal friends, what does intersectionality mean to him? He didn't have a clue. And yet we're asking all these young sailors to take, take an oath.
2: Well, I didn't know that. So they put that in the Naval Oath of Office?
1: Yep. Well, since you're asking me about it, I'll find it. Here it is. So here's part of the oath, not in the oath of office, but you probably know the Navy set up task force one, which is to fight, to fight discrimination. Everybody would agree with fighting discrimination, but here's part of the oath. I pledge to advocate for and acknowledge all lived experiences and intersexual identities of every sailor in the Navy. That's absurd. <laughs> and, and so you kind of wonder, whoa, OK. I mean, here we're asking cadets. I mean, here, here's a guy who is an MIT graduate, extremely liberal, and he has no idea what that means. Well, I yeah. think I know what it means because you know I've, I've read about it. It's Marxism. Pure yeah. and simple, a way to, you know if you have a, a black male and you have a, a Hispanic male, well, they don't necessarily intersect racially. But if they're both gay well now they, there's an intersection so it's a way of building a coalition so there's more victims standing up against you know what principles that america was founded upon.
2: it's it's an ideology that killed 200 million people in the last century yeah. that's what we have to yeah.
1: make people aware of um agreed so so back to your comment. what are we doing about balance unity Um, We're trying to educate equity versus equality. I mean, our nation was founded on equality. And I love the way that uh, Thomas Solwell talks about that. You know, our forefathers had a great vision. Unfortunately, the vision really wasn't carried out for all members of our society. All men were created equal, yes, but we didn't treat them that way until the uh, 1960s when the civil rights bills were passed. But then, as he goes on to point out, I mean, here, here we are, one morning we wake up and we have our freedom and we haven't been prepared for it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So um, that's why, I mean, I've had some discussions uh, with people, for example, on affirmative action. And as you may know, one of my assignments is working in admissions.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And do the academies give uh, deference to uh, black Americans, other minorities in their admissions process? Yes. And I didn't find any problem at all telling uh, parents of white cadets or cadet candidates who wanted to be in the academy, who had higher scores, were more highly qualified in terms of class rank, et cetera, than the black candidate who did get in and they didn't, that look, we want our military to be a reflection of society. And even that I've had some cadets and recent graduates complain to me, for example, at the academy, it's Joe eh, B. It's almost um, commonplace, and you know people laugh that one semester is going to be a black wing commander, next semester is going to be a woman wing commander, next semester will be a white. And so even at that, I said, you know, I push back. Say, well, the academy's, uh, you know, it's it's a leadership laboratory. Mm-hmm. I don't, but I think we shouldn't want that to extend to the rest of our services. So, I mean, once you get in, quote the real Air Force, you mm-hmm. we probably We're don't have the best guys. fighters We're available. The best person, the best maintainers, do. the
2: best sailors, the best
1: everything they do. You mm-hmm. know,
2: when we had those wrecks several a couple of years ago, where like in the span of a few months, three naval ships in the Pacific, I think, ran into each other. I took that as just taking the eye off the ball of expertise and putting it on political correctness. Yep. Um, just a symptom.
1: Yep. So, I mean, th- those are some of the things that we're trying to do with the academy. Um, we, we have a long-term, I hope, foot in the door through an organization that the soup bought into as well, which will be a, a group of graduates providing input on a, hopefully, uh, maybe quarterly or semi-annual basis that hasn't worked out, been worked out yet, but through the Center of Character and Leadership Development. Mm-hmm. Uh, Two... Uh, including the, they call them mission elements now at the academy, the commandant, the athletic director, the dean, having those people and just have a good exchange of ideas. So, you know, again, going back, we can talk about balance. What we talked about that video was it was divisive. We want to go forward fighting racism in a unifying way. So those are some of the things at the academy. Plus, I mean, we have really done what I think, I'll pat ourselves on the back for this, is an outstanding outreach with like thinking boards of visitors members. Mm-hmm. And you may not know, but all Academy boards of visitors have been suspended now since uh, February.
2: They don't want any oversight.
1: Well, some people will say that, but you know, my sources inside DC is they got caught up in uh, a DOD review to try to uh, get rid of, I guess, Trump appointees from boards that. Uh, report to the Department of Defense. Mm -hmm. Well, the Boards of Visitors are statually, uh, they were mandated by Congress. So Mm -hmm. some would say that they don't even have, the Department of Defense didn't really even have the ability to suspend them. We think they're coming back up within the next month or two. Mm -hmm. So I almost feel like we can do a high five with them and say, hey, well, you guys have been suspended. Here's some of the things that we've done. Right. Sure. Um, but there's also other things that we grads can do you know educating the parents clubs educating the association of graduate mm-hmm. chapters that are around um, the country Service so academy
2: grads are a powerful group right there's hundreds of thousands of them and they're all very successful people for the most part
1: yeah so not only our association of graduates another thing we've done is we reached out to the other academies there is a group that formed at the naval academy basically uh, a good part of their mission was to uh, support Midshipman Standage, who your, if your audience doesn't know, was being expelled by the Naval Academy for tweeting in support of law enforcement. Note that both his parents are LA police officers and against Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've read that entire case twice. There's no vulgarity. There's maybe one one post that I would consider unprofessional, um, but I mean, standing up for his parents, while yeah. other midshipmen are tweeting against police, t- tweeting for defunding the police. Right. I mean, it's- that's Being
2: overtly political.
1: Yeah. That, that shows you how, how yeah. deep this has gone. So now on the bigger level, I mean, I consider that the tactical level of the academies. Now let's reach out. How, how can we influence the Department of Defense to change their ways? Well- with the current political leadership, probably not a whole lot, but we're not giving up. We've I've got two telephone calls with uh, the offices of Senator Cotton and Senator Cruz this week. Great. Uh, we have somebody with uh, tremendous congressional experience that just uh, volunteered to lead our overall congressional effort. We've certainly targeted boards of visitors, members, Congressman at the United States Air Force Academy would like to s- expand that out to like-minded thinking congressional members who are on the boards of visitors at Annapolis and at West Point as well. Um, certainly doing a big uh, uh, congressional outreach. Um, we, have a, we have a member, uh, that active duty member is gonna come out of hiding, I like to kid him. He's gonna publish a book in the, this next month. Called the Irresistible Revolution, and this guy is one sharp, one sharp young man. Fourteen-year lieutenant colonel, two years below his own squadron commander, studied Marxism for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, hopefully, at some point, you can have him on as well. Yeah, no, We'd like but to promote
2: uh, that book. Obviously, that'll be an effective tool to uh, counter this whole narrative out there. Yeah. Sure.
1: So, so I guess I would say, Todd, is if you or your audience can think of anything else that we can be doing, we're all ears because. I think, unfortunately, the left-leaning politicians that are running our military right now um, are not only trying to politicize the organization, as you have articulated, but they're also using it as just another tool in their toolkit yes. but to transform America.
2: So I think one of the issues uh, is numbers. And so if a service academy grad who's watching this wants to get involved with the group, what's the best way to do that?
1: um, put, put Tom, Tom Gervais email. <laughs>
2: at the I bottom. Will. I'll, I'll put it
1: up because, um,
2: executive director of your group up. Um, appreciate appreciate
1: okay. it. because, um, I mean, some days I've spent more than 16 hours uh, on yeah. this. I'm not, I'm not complaining. It's just, it's, uh, I'm this passionate about what I see happening to our military and to our academies.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I don't think as we become more formalized and we're going to start hopefully here within the next month or so, the mm-hmm. 501 3C. And we'll have some organizational structure, and there'll be more division of workload, which is definitely needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've asked Tom as our executive director to try to figure this out. I've, I've been resisting uh, growing the numbers. I mean, we've grown from 4 to 60, but mm-hmm. all those emails come to me. yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I don't need to see all the emails. I, I, right. I mean, we're going to be more efficient and effective. Needed. Sure. We score that down.
2: And you're also, as you mentioned, starting to reach out to Congress and apply pressure, possibly in the media, also against what's happening.
1: Right. As we form a 501c3, I mean, we have four lawyers in the group. We've been cautioned that we can't lobby for any specific uh, reg- uh, uh, legislation. Mm-hmm. But uh, since we're not formed yet, I mean, Senator Cotton. We um, got a really good bill last, last week. If you look in the Federalist, you'll see what it's all about. And we strongly, I would think, uh, would support that because it echoes what we've been trying to do. Can't probably couldn't say that in a month from now because we'll be a formal organization and we're not allowed to lobby for legislation. But um, I, I guess the bottom line for me, and I hope for all of your listeners and, uh, and viewers, Todd, would be... If you step back and just think about it for a second, we Americans have spent millions of our national treasure and spilled a whole ton of American blood mm-hmm. fighting Marxist ideology around the world,
0: mm-hmm. Korean
1: War, Vietnam War, monies that we've spent through South America, all around the world. But yet somehow right now, we just seem willing to almost be oblivious to yeah. letting this infiltrate, no, invade, invade our United States military. And you go, wow. Um, and people, your audience, this is not a war. We are at war. This is not a war that our wonderful military can win. Mm-hmm. This is a war that the American people have to win.
2: People have the power, and we still have that power, even though the small group has taken over the national government, the local governments. I mean, there, there's a lot of ways to fight back on this, but um, general, thank you for coming on. We want to have you back on on a regular basis and talk about how this is, you know, moving forward over time. And um, also any other people from the group that.
1: Yeah. We'd can, love to get some other. Uh, folks out there. Yeah.
2: Thank you again. And.
1: Uh, let me, let me just conclude with yeah. our, with our slogan. Yeah. Wake up, stand up, speak up, and don't give up. Fantastic.
2: Thank you, General Bishop. We'll have you back on soon.
1: All righty. Thank you. Okay. Okay.